welcome to the Aftershock post-game show. This is our first post-game show of 2024. I'm Alex Morgan. I'm here with Jamin Moore. We are in Coachella Valley at the Coachella Valley Invitational for the San Jose Earthquakes preseason camp. The Earthquakes just lost 1-0 to Charlotte FC. That's their second game at this tournament. They tied New York City FC 2-2 earlier this week. Jamin, what were your takeaways on this one? Uh, we got to see uh, this team trot out for the first time this season. We didn't get to see some of the new guys we were hoping to because of visa issues, but still a lot to take away from this game, no? Yeah, I think if you're going to take anything, any one thing away, it's it's that uh, they looked much more defensively solid at this point of the preseason than they did even one more game into the preseason, one more week into the preseason last season. That's really, really important because it shows, as Lucci kind of described to us yesterday, and our patrons will get a chance to listen to that or watch actually the Lucci Gonzalez interview later today. Um, what's really important is that now in preseason two, it's a much different type of preseason from a coaching perspective. You're no longer instructing and telling people what you want. Instead, players are competing already knowing what you want. That's a huge distinction and a big difference. And I think you saw it at least in the first half today. Now, of course, you know, there's the goal that was given up and, you know, Rodriguez could have played it better and you can talk about that kind of things. But first off, it's preseason. Secondly, it's really windy out here and the balls were doing funny stuff. Anything that got in the air was getting hung up, getting overblown and, and you know, underblown and depend on, you know, the wind and the swirl and anything else going on at the same time. So I don't read too much into those kinds of things because in, in uh, you know, MLS stadiums, you don't tend to get that type of wind effect. But at the same time, you know, you saw pretty much the defense control things in the first half, particularly in the second half. Really, the Quakes just kind of held the ball. There wasn't much pressing going on, and it was a lot of possession. But, you know, there was exciting moments, interesting moments. Christian Espinosa throwing the ball, you know, off the back of a defender and then running in for a cutback attempt. Um, Oscar Verhoeven's pass in the, in the first half was a beaut uh, of a pass. And Jack Skeen just bedazzled the defender uh, being able to figure out what he was going to do there. They almost got a goal ball went off the post off of Benji Kikanovic shot, if I remember right. But it was an interesting uh, first half. Second half, a lot less interesting. But um, I think important time to extend the minutes of some players, some players going 90 today and uh, other players, you know, getting a chance to get, make a case for themselves. And the people we didn't see, as you mentioned, the new international players, but we'll get into that as we talk why that's important for today's game. Yeah, You mentioned some of the competition that's happening on the field. I think you saw today where that competition is. You saw at right back, three different players get in. You had Carlos Acapo play the first 30 minutes. Then you had Oscar Verhoeven play the second 30 minutes. Then you had Tommy Thompson play the last 30 minutes. You saw Preston Judd get up top for the second half. He'll be competing with Jeremy Obobese. And get a yellow card. We saw he's feisty. He's feisty and he, uh, he's competing with Jeremy Obobese for that number nine role. Uh, you saw Alfredo Morales play in the middle, play really strong, had a great performance there. People didn't like it, though. We got some fan comments that didn't care for Morales' performance today. Which is surprising to me, given that I think he came into that game and he was able to to make kind of incisive passes through the middle and, and, and play through the middle better than the Quakes were able to do in the first half. If there's any frustration that I had about the, the way the Quakes were playing in the first half is that they weren't able to 
build the ball through the middle and get in behind. The only way they are able to attack is down the wings. You had Oscar Verhoeven play some good balls in behind. You had a Capo running in behind, but they weren't playing through the middle in the way that I thought I, I, I was hoping they would. And I, I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty about Jack Skane at that number 10. You saw him starting in the number 10 position today with the opportunity to make that his own position. Uh, the Quakes haven't signed a DP number 10, a DP attacking midfielder. They're in the market for it. And right now, that's his role, and he needs to stake a claim to it. And I think there was a little bit of disconnect. I like the way that he was pressing the back line. I like the way that he was making runs in behind. But it felt sometimes that there was still an empty pocket in there for a player who's going to play in those tight spaces and find balls in behind. We saw him get in that spot a couple of times. But I don't think he was decisive enough. I think too often he was trying to defer back to Jackson Ewell, lay the ball off to Jackson Ewell. And I think Ewell ended up playing most of the creative role in the midfield. Uh, in, in the second in, half. In, in the, and the first half. In, in both halves. In, in, and I think there's room still for a number, number 10. Oh, for do sure. That. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we've, we've, we've seen the best configuration in this game. No, I, I don't think like necessarily... Everything exists. We talked with Lucci about this yesterday. There are elements of what they want at that position that Jack Skeen has. There are elements of what they want in that position that Nico Shakiris has. And Shakiris not available for the game today as well, and nursing a, a knock um, uh, also. So, you know, there's there's elements of that in the players that they've identified that can fit into that spot for the time being. But I think the subtext there is that there's not one player that yet has all the attributes. I think what you see with Jack is Jack's got a very good pressing ability, something they had with Montero, and something that Lucci highly values. In fact, we talked to Jack a little bit in our interview with him, which also got released uh, this morning. Um, the, or sorry, uh, is getting released at four o'clock today. Sorry, you'll see it at four o'clock today. And in that interview, we talked to him and he talked about the importance of pressing and his role in pressing within Lucci's system. And so there's the, the element of that is like extremely important to what they what they were trying to do. But at the same time, sometimes when they press and you noted this, Alex, and so I'll let you kind of kind of speak to it. Sometimes when they're pressing, it's leaving certain types of gaps as well. And maybe the tracking back is not what it needs to be at this point uh, in those situations. Maybe players need to pinch in in certain situations a little quicker. So, again, preseason. You know, you want to give time to be able to work those things out a little bit more and have players to get fitness for recovery. But, you know, if you're going to press in a very strong way, you can't be leaving some of the gaps they were leaving in the first half. Well, you have to. You have to leave gaps. Because what they did was they had Jack Skane sitting on the second center back. They had him and Jeremy Obosi both marking the center backs, which means somewhere in the midfield there's going to be an open man. And the goal is to kind of zonally cover that or to have enough cover to, to prevent the ball from going there. I think Charlotte did a really good job of finding that open man. They were playing the balls into the forwards and into the wingers and then getting layoffs into the kind of open attacking midfielder and were able to break out of the press quite well. San Jose's back line, for the most part, cleaned up and did a good job. I thought Tanner Beeson and Rodriguez looked pretty good today for the most part. Uh, you know, Bruno Wilson is another player we're excited to see play back there, but it's good to know that Tanner Beeson and Rodriguez still have a, a solid partnership back there because they may well be the players starting on opening day. So the back line was good, uh, but I think that the Quakes still have room to improve that uh, that press to make sure that they're they're not letting those spaces, uh, you know, get exploited in the midfield. I still feel like, and, and I, I want to run this by you, Jamie, because I it's the first preseason game we've seen 
I don't want to be overly critical, but I still feel like I was seeing some of the same issues that we saw in, in 2023. I still feel like in the first half in that build up, they were overly dependent, overly reliant on the right side of the field. Most things were going through Christian Espinosa and Carlos Acapo. I don't think Benji Kukanovic was able to get involved enough on the left side. Uh, I, I don't think he had a particularly strong performance in this one. Paul Marie, usually a guy who loves to get you know, in on the overlap, get forward up the field. He scored a great goal against New York City FC. I don't think once he got the ball in the attacking half of the field looking dangerous going down that left side. So so that was one of the the, the kind of frustrations from 2023 that we saw today. Obviously, the, the kind of gap in number 10 is another thing. Uh, and, and a part of me feels like a part of me wishes that we were able to see those new new players. A part of me wishes thinks that if Amal Pellegrino, the new signing from Norway, had been able to start on the left side, that would have been more balanced. That would have given the Quakes a different look on the left side. Uh, a part of me thinks if uh, Bruno Wilson were at center back, uh, we know he's a guy who can pass the ball uh, and has really good distribution. His stats on, on that front are really strong. The Quakes would have been able to find more of those through balls through the midfield and connect them. So a part of me thinks this team still has another gear in them. Uh, that they can access. The reason, uh, from what we know, that the, those players weren't able to play today is because they did not yet have their visas. Today's game was streamed, so they can't be playing a, a live streamed game uh, without their visas. Uh, so, so that's why we didn't get to see them today. Uh, and the hope is that they will be ready by the day one uh, home opener, season opener, uh, to be able to play by then. But, but that's still in the works. Yeah, we learned a bit more about uh, how P1 visas work before the game. And one of the things that's really important is, so if you saw the press releases, you just go back to the press releases, they state this very specifically. Each one of these press releases that came out is it says pending receipt of ITC or the International Transfer Certificate and P1 visa. And so the players are not allowed to play for a team. Uh, you can't play in a game unless those two things are taken care of. Well, in order to do the P1 visa, it actually literally takes, I kid you not, an act of Congress, an actual act of Congress. And what we mean by that is uh, for, uh, pl for uh, players who qualify, well, every, you know, first off, uh, professional sports players in the U.S. are very accepted as P1 visa players. That includes every player in MLS, every player in every other American sports league is covered under that. In order to get those times so that the player can go back to their country and then be able to come back in a very short turnaround, you actually need someone in Congress to request it that someone gets the special privilege to be able to fast track, to be able to just go there for a day to their country and then turn around and come back. So put yourself in the position of Amal Pellegrino going all the way to Norway or Bruno Wilson going all the way back to Portugal or Vitor Costa, the same thing. Like they're going to have to basically travel all the way there, spend a day there, get their V1, P1 visa process because someone basically got them special permission to move to the front of the line due to American relations with those countries. And then they turn around and come back. It's actually quite interesting process. That is why um, you did not see the international players today is because that has to happen before they're allowed to actually step onto the field and play a game for the San Jose Earthquakes or whatever team that they are in. So what you're saying is that in the, the next elections, the Quakes fans need to take that into account. When Absolutely. Their votes, when you vote, they will. when you vote, the important thing is how fast will your congressman process the P1 
visa, make sure you ask your uh, the, the people running for Congress uh, to replace Dianne Feinstein, you know, uh, what exactly they want to do. So anyway, we just thought it was very interesting insight. I hope the people who shared it with us don't mind that we shared it because I do think it's it's interesting. It's, it's important for the fans to know, like, hey, you acquired all these players. Why aren't they playing for you? And uh, to be able, you know, just to give you a little bit of insight as to why they're not actually stepping onto the pitch. Now, that said, uh, there's a scrimmage, additional scrimmage right now. There was no mix zone. There was originally supposed to be a mix zone where we were going to get to talk to Lucci and a player. And that actually got canceled because uh, some of the players are going to play another 30 minutes. Our guess is that the international players will get to play in a side scrimmage for an additional 30 minutes because that's not streamed. And that's, we're guessing. We don't know that for sure. You know, so uh, anyone who's trying to like hold this against them for, for playing in these scrimmages or anything like that, uh, we don't actually know that. Um, yeah. but, but anyway, we thought that it would be uh, useful for, for everyone to kind of know how that process works a bit because we learned uh, from asking the questions and trying to understand that process a bit more ourselves. And we did get some insight into the new players. Uh, me and Jamin were at training yesterday. We were able to speak to Bruno Wilson, the new center back from Portugal uh, yesterday. That's one of a series of interviews we conducted. Those are available now for our patrons. So if you sign up for the Patreon, you will get link access to all of those interviews. Uh, they will be published in the coming week, I think, for the general public. Uh, but we had long conversations with them about how they see their role in this team. Uh, for Bruno specifically, the thing he was saying is that he is going to be a compliment to Rodriguez in center back. Rodriguez likes to run with the ball, push the ball forward. He plays a he little bit today. more defensively uh, and cover uh, and, you know, maybe offer a little bit more in terms of the, the passing out of the back instead of the dribbling out of the back. So I think that that's something that the Quakes could have benefited from today. Uh, Vitor obviously is going to add uh, some depth at left back and, and challenge for that left back uh, position. Uh, Pellegrino in the left wing uh, offers a, 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 another uh, kind of uh, option up there. And, and the thing that Jamin and I were noticing just immediately was how different he is from any of the other options the Quakes have had in the left wing position for the last few years. Just a completely different player. Cade Cowell is powerful. He stands out too. He's, He's so pacey. skinny and tall and he just stands out immediately. Even Benji Lukanovic, you know, powerful, pacey, likes to take guys on. That's not the kind of player that Amal Pellegrino is. He likes to find the spaces. He likes to, uh, you know, uh, drop centrally a little bit more. He's not going to be taking guys it's on one-on-one on one as frequently. He tries to, He's he, very sneaky. He tries to be, he's, he's a tall guy. You go like, how did this guy hide? Maybe it's because he's thin. Maybe it's like, you know, he uh, he can hide behind somebody who's wider or whatever. But he kind of like slides into space and he's kind of like positioned and he put a ball uh, in the box, he put it over the goal to be quite honest. Um, he smashed it, um, but it went over over the net. But it was like one of those situations where he was kind of like hoping nobody noticed him. And he kind of just got into position and was able to find a ball that was coming across the box. I, I think that's quite interesting. It's just quite different than what, you know, the Quakes have had in that position. And if nothing else, I hope it goes really well. Yeah, Pellegrino 6'3". Uh, thanks. Thank you there uh, for that, uh, RV. Um, Pellegrino's, you know, being 6'3", I think it's just going to be just something different. And I think that's good. Because, you know, a lot of one of the things that we used to talk about with Kate and Benji is it was a lot of the same, right? Like, oh, well, whether it's one or it's the other, like they kind of have a lot of the sameness to them. And uh, I think like this is going to be a quite different, um, you know, look to bring have Pellegrino and and maybe Benji. And maybe, you know, there's going to be some competition for a little bit until Pellegrino comes up to speed and and uh, figures it out a little bit. But uh, for me, like um, and I think that's what Lucci wants too. Lucci wants he wants options. He wants competition. He wants every competition. He wants every position. There's only like 
four positions that seem like locked in where I don't think there's real competition. Well, you saw guys go full Espinoza. 90s today. Yeah, you saw the full 90s, right? It's Espinoza, it's Rodriguez, it's Jackson Ewell, and it's Danielle. I think those are your locked in four positions. I think every other position on the field, and I would even say, you know, Bovisi and Judd, there's a competition there, even though Bovisi is going to have the edge. Um, obviously, you know, you're bringing these players in. Bruno Wilson, you want to see him stepping quickly. You want to see Pellegrino stepping quickly. But I think what they think is we've got competition. We've got depth. We've got the ability to co go an entire season now and not tire down. And we can do Leagues Cup and not tire down. We can do Open Cup if we need to, if it depends on whatever comes up, that whole mess, and not tire down. And I think, like, that's what they're aiming for is improve the top but raise the floor as well. Expect some of the young guys, like Verhoeven, you know, maybe to step up. Uh, Nico, when he's going to be healthy again, uh, step up. Like, we want to see these young guys step up. But we also want to create real competition, sometimes three deep at different positions. Verhoeven might be the third string. He could be the second and he, string. And he had the, he had the best pass of the game today, yeah. which is which is crazy because he's a kid, right? But um, but he's that he's that good already. He has the ability to step in, but the depth chart might show him as the third, you know, as a third string outside back. And I, I want to talk about Verhoeven a little bit. I also want to talk about Judd a little bit. I I want to move quickly past the first half because I think yeah. the first half felt like it felt like the 2023 San Jose Earthquakes is what it felt like. Uh, because it was largely the same guys, because they weren't able to play those new additions. Uh, you weren't able to see what what new this team has to offer going forward. And I think they struggled going forward. I think a lot of the fans were were upset because they didn't really record a shot on target. Uh, it, it, Benji Gikanovic had one that hit the crossbar. The crossbar uh, yeah. And that was the, the closest the Quakes got. Well, that was from the game. Verhoeven pass and uh, a nifty little move by Jack to kind of free himself to make the pass there. Yeah. And um, um, that was probably the, the nicest play. And that and was Verhoeven. That was that was created by Verhoeven. By, by Verhoeven after the sub for Acapo. By the way, I think there was a question earlier. I just want to address it about the substitution. So that was a planned substitution. I think they're managing Acapo's minutes coming back from AFCON, getting him back integrated again. But also they want to give the other players a chance to show what they can do. They want to give Tommy some time. They want to give Verhoeven some time. That was all planned today. Yeah. And Verhoeven had started in the game against New York City FC, right. uh, partly because Acapo was coming back from AFCON. Uh, so they wanted to reintegrate him into the squad. Uh, but he's a guy who I could see coming off the bench quite frequently this season for the Quakes. If he can play those balls in behind, uh, as Arfi's saying, he's deceptively good at passing. If he can offer that extra uh, you know, bit of creativity going forward, I can easily see him being one of the first guys off the bench this season. He's only 17 years old, I believe. Uh, but physically, it feels like he's ready. He was able to keep up with the pace. He was able to get in and challenge some aerial balls. Uh, so I, it feels like he's ready. It feels like this is the year that, that we will probably see Oscar Verhoeven in the, in the first team getting real MLS minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm concerned that, you know, uh, bringing in, you know, Vitor Costa from the outside, not exactly sure how he's, you know, is he going to be the starter on the left, you know, day one? Is there going to be real competition between him and Paul Marie? Kind of, you hope that doesn't put, you know, kind of Verhoeven on the outside looking in. Um, but look, uh, you know, every day in practice, if Verhoeven is now stepping up to practice with the first team while he gets some game time for Quakes too, but he's getting that first, uh, first team time every day, he'll get seen and they will figure out, you know, it might take a, take a little while to confirm, you know, what, what, what the capabilities are. 
But if he's got the ability, you know, I think uh, it would be really interesting to see him start to pick up more and more minutes as the season goes on. Those young legs, I think, are really important uh, in order to really kind of, you know, extend the entire season the way that they need to do in order to get to the playoffs and not be out of gas. It, it feels like Verhoeven is in a similar place that uh, Nico Shakiris was in at this stage last season. Nico Shakiris was also getting his uh, some of his first minutes for the first team uh, in this preseason tournament at Coachella. Um, he suffered an injury actually around this time last year that prevented him from getting in the starting lineup. But in terms of their development, uh, it feels like uh, this is the place where they're able to like cement their spot on the first team roster uh, and, and make a case for uh, for being in those match day squads for the earthquakes. I thought it was interesting in the second half, and you mentioned that in the first half it seemed like they were very focused on the right side of the pitch, and I agree that's true in the first half. I felt on the second half. Um, particularly toward the middle part of the second half, we were seeing a lot more on the left. And what happened, what changed, is when um, when they brought on Alfredo Morales and they went basically to a double pivot at that point, Jackson Ewell stepped forward and they pushed uh, they pushed Jack out to the wing because we all know he can also play you know, on the wing as well. And he was a winger in college. And then Matias turned him into a central midfielder. And he loves central midfielder. He credits Matias for how he learned how to become a central midfielder. He thinks he became a central midfielder, a ten basically. Specifically. A, a 10 specifically. And, you know, out of that experience with Matias. But he hasn't forgotten how to play on the wing. In fact, he scored off the wing last year in the Kelly Glasgow, right? So um, I thought it, what, when it got interesting on the left was when he and Jackson were working together on the left side. And then I think Paul Marie, if I recall right, was still in the game at that point. So then you had Marie, Jackson, and Skane on that left side. I thought it was actually kind of interesting. There's a couple penalty shouts in there. I think Marie had a potential. His arm was out a little bit, but, you know, if he had kept it, his arm down, he would have probably gotten cleared out and probably could have drawn a penalty there. So there's a couple, there's some interesting things that I thought did come from that left side in the second half. And there was one element of the conditions here today that I, I want to mention. You can probably see because my hair is flying around, our credentials it's getting are worse. flying around. Uh, one of the things that inhibited San Jose's wing play is that you can't send diagonal balls in this wind. Those diagonal balls are either going way too long and running at the end of the pitch or getting caught up in the air and going nowhere. So I think to the extent that they were structured with Alfredo Morales, it was that. Uh, and uh, it was it was hard to get those diagonal switches, uh, even though the Quakes sometimes had space on that left side to do so. So let's uh, talk about this goalkeeper situation. And really, thanks for setting us up, Tyler, because uh, we did want to talk about it. So the really, uh, I think, interesting thing we learned yesterday is that last season when JT went down particularly, and even before that, they just felt thin in the goalkeeper core that they were asking a lot of the goalkeepers. So keep in mind, like, there is, there's the games, right? And and Danielle is going to start the vast majority of those games. But, and then there's Quakes 2 games, Right. And, and Emmy was 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 playing. And Emmy would be covering those games, and so it kind of felt like, well, this team used to be three keepers back in the day, you know, and now there's two teams, but there's still only three keepers. Really, I mean, yes, you're also getting Eric. Um, it was Eric De La Serta, I think, was getting some time at Quakes too, um, and he had played at Reno for Ian. So of course, you know, that was a natural player to put in that spot. But I don't think there's any thought that. You know, Eric De La Serta was going to at some point be the starting. No offense to Eric. He's a hard worker, but he's never going to be the starting, uh, you know, um, goalkeeper for the San Jose Earthquakes at some point. Now, legitimately, 
all four goalkeepers that they've got, you could say they all have a path to becoming the number one keeper for the San Jose Earthquakes. And, you know, to be fair to um, kind of, um, uh, you know, William Yarborough here, he said on Ted Ramey's show, he hopes he's only here for a year and JT steps back in. So let's assume that even that happens. But either way, all four of these players have the ability, if they needed to, to step in and start a game this year. Emmy's the little bit furthest away from it, but your brand new keeper coming in, the way you say his name, by the way, is uh, Mikolai. Um, uh, and uh, I just want to make sure I've, I've got it correct here. I, I didn't actually write his last name down. I should have. Um, I think I'm not going to say that last name wrong for a while, but um, uh, Mikolai coming in, he started the top, you know, basically top division Poland games and had Danielle type stats. Super impressive. He's 21. So think of this as really opportunistic to get like a top young goalkeeper out of Europe because Danielle's getting up in age. And I think there needs to be a healthy competition as to who steps in when Daniel's, uh, you know, getting to the back half of his career. And I think it's, it's helpful kind of to, to think about the, the way these uh, transfers unfolded step by step, because uh, you have, you know, you started this off season with Emmy, JT, and Danielle. JT's still working his way back from injury. Uh, it's He's not 100% yet. When we were uh, at training, he was off uh you know, uh, with the, the trainers for most of the time, not in the first team practice. So that's when you bring Yarborough in uh, as a guy who is a very solid veteran, number two, who is, you know, going to be ready to step in and start if something happens to Daniel. And Daniel, you know, uh, went, had injuries last season. Daniel right. was not fit and available 100% of the time. So that's something that you have to be aware of and, and plan for. So the William Yarborough transfer made 100% sense. Uh, the surprise really was the Mikolai transfer. The, right. The, uh, bringing the, in the Gansky, by the way, the Gansky, the Gansky, the Gansky, uh, bringing him in earlier this week. That was what caught people off guard because it's not clear where he fits in. Uh, there's, there's a few things to think about here. One is that, uh, from everything we've heard, it was very much an opportunistic transfer. He's a guy with some of the you know top stats of any young keeper, uh, in Europe, uh, and was available. Uh, so to pick him up, uh, and, and bring him in, uh, under a, a what seems like a fairly uh, you know sneaky you know good contract situation uh, is is good for the club, and uh, you have to keep in mind that Danielle, if he keeps putting up the numbers that he's putting up, could transfer, could could be get, getting transfer opportunities that he wants to take sometimes over the uh, the summer or the uh, the winter after that. So you want to have the depth there. You want to have the confidence that if you get. Uh, three, four million dollar transfer offer for Daniel that he wants to accept that you could let him go and still have goalkeeper options. Yeah. And, and for those going like, but he's going to take an international spot. The answer is he's not. I'm not sure we're allowed to like go into the details as to how that's going to happen because I don't think we understand it. But there are uh, mechanisms here that are going to be, I think, utilized so that unless he's coming in and he's going to actually like start a game on the regular roster, I don't think they have to worry about that particular situation. So I would say stay tuned on that. We're told that the international uh, slot is not going to be an issue for him. And, and it also seems like, uh, you know, given he's young, 21 years old, the natural place for him to start is with Quakes too, and then to earn his way into yeah. the first And I know team. people think like he's going to rob games from Emmy, but I think the, the, the better way to think about it is they needed two keepers in Quakes 2 last year. 
what they want to do is have two keepers that both have the ability to be the future starting goalkeeper of the team. And that's the way that they want to approach Quakes too. And I think that's right. I think it's smart. And I think if you don't have to use an international slot on him, um, you know, and you don't have to worry too much about, um, you know, the different different financial elements of how that fits into the overall uh, budget of, of the team. And it's more treated as, as a, you know, a, a Quakes 2, uh, you know, loan or something like that, or however they're going to make it work. You know, I think that that's going to be, um, you know, fine. I, I think it's a great opportunistic way to pick up a player who you can legitimately see starting for this team someday. And this is another example of how the Quakes are actively using this new data team that they have in the recruitment process from, you know, our conversations with Lucci, from our conversations with Jared Shawley, they were emphasizing that this was a transfer decision that was heavily informed by the the data and the, the data recruitment just program. Like, just that like that happened out. with Dan- Danielle last year. I mean, the data team proved their worth with Danielle last year, without a doubt. The Quakes are not in the playoffs. They're not even probably potentially talking about playoffs without Danielle last year. Um, and they were able to do it because on the backs of a much better defense led by Avrikas, as well as, you know, the goalkeeping from Danielle. Um, and you know, that, uh, I mean, and obviously, uh, JT had a rebound year until he got hurt. So he was uh, looking much better. I credit to Aiden Brown, I think. Um, it's funny because they, there's kind of a joke right now of Aiden's got his own little goalkeeper camp going because he's got, you know, four goalkeepers over there now. And, uh, I said, how about a fifth? How about a sixth? And they're like, yeah, he might like that too much. So, uh, they definitely don't want to put those ideas in his head. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that you have one of the you know best goalkeeping coaches in That's Major right. League and, Soccer and this on is a, this This roster. is a good point at the moment. Uh, Mikolai is also only alone. And so I think that plays into the financial treatment here that they've been talking about. And again, we don't know every single detail. And I don't even know if they're allowed to tell us every single detail, I'll be quite honest, because there's a lot about um, some of the stuff that goes on in an MLS roster side that they don't make public. And uh, it was kind of like, um, I think some of this might fall into that non-public type stuff that uh, that teams have the ability to do. Keep in mind, like uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, before the game um, with uh, a couple of people from the Quakes, you know, uh, Charlotte's a team who was taking international players and putting them into their second team, spending millions of dollars to do it and put them into their second team. And, uh, you know, so they've, I think like them doing that at least if nothing else, raised eyebrows around the league and said, oh, is that a mechanism here that we can potentially utilize in some way, shape or form? And so, you know, I think there are some things that people are testing out how the league maybe closes those loopholes in the future or anything like that. We don't know. You know, it's also possible that the league will at some point try to shut certain types of things down that can kind of slide uh, today in our sliding. So, you know, we'll see how that goes over time. But it's important to note that uh, that's all right. Mikolai is only alone. And then I think the treatment with Quakes 2, uh, if I understood right, may be alone. I'm not quite sure, again, how that's all going to work, but we'll we'll see how it goes. So looking forward, anyway, what we're told is, don't worry. That's what, basically, that's the, the upshot is, don't worry. Don't worry about the international slot. Don't worry about how he fits. There is upshot makes it not a lot of downside. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you, Jamin, looking forward to the next you know, two preseason games that the, the Earthquakes have, what do you think Gucci Gonzalez should be experimenting with? This is the time of the season to experiment. We didn't see him try any new shapes today. Uh, they Whoa. kept with a fairly solid four at the back, uh, two or three in the midfield and, and, and three up top. You could argue that he went with a double, double pivot. The double pivit, I think, is, is, is a is little bit of an experiment. Noted? I think it is. 
because even Jackson sat back a little bit more in the first half. I don't want to say I wouldn't call it a double pivot. He was definitely deeper. There were times I was like, why isn't Jackson going in and taking some available space? And it might have been intentional, um, you know, or it's just preseason. And, you know, again, players are going to, you know, kind of control. He knows he's going to go 90 minutes. He's going to kind of control his minutes out there a little bit um, and, and know he's got to he's got to like last the whole whole game. But um, I do think specifically they are trying out kind of that double pivot with Jackson as a central playmaker, knowing that they've got some creative players on the wings between Skane and between um, between uh, obviously uh, Espinoza that uh, can add to that kind of creativity around the box. So I think there's at least experimentation there. I'm not going to say there's an answer. There's, I'm not going to say there's an answer there, but there's well, definitely some things they're trying out. So, so the, the the question I have is that you know when we talk to Luchi Gonzalez, uh, you know, and, and talk about his his game model and and you know the the way he thinks about building a team generally, uh, he usually says that the shape is just a way of reaching their end goal, that they have the principles in each phase of play that they want to implement, and that the shape is, is simply the tool they use to get to that end goal uh, and, and achieve those objectives. And that the shape, he wants to be flexible. You know, given that's true, I'm surprised we haven't seen a little bit more experimentation with it in preseason. It seems like the way he's building this roster is actually like very much beholden to the the four two three one that he likes. It seems like they're they're building out the roster in that specific shape. Maybe, but also consider this: if, if they went like they wanted to play some three in the back or five in the back in preseason, what you're probably going to do is you're going to take players off the pitch that they want to see right now because they don't fit into that shape exactly the same way. And I think I think by just starting off with something that everyone understands how to play, you know the back how to play either a 4-2-3-1 or a you know 4-1-3-1 or whatever the case is um you know i think everyone kind of understands those things so they're 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 bringing in these new players right so i think a lot of it is let's get on the level ground everyone knows how to do this and then i think that's where you get like when you get that first like break where you know you don't play you get the first buy of the season so to speak that's when usually a new wrinkle will come in that's when you might see another formation on the other side. I think the introduction of a, of a three in the back last year happened after an extended, you know, two weeks without a game or 10 days at least or so, so that there's time to actually fit that in and kind of like introduce it. When you got new players coming in like, uh, you know, Bruno Wilson, Vitor Costa, you know, I don't know what their experience is with those types of formations, right? And so I think it's important that we're probably uh, putting those in as well as, uh, making sure that you're seeing everything you want to out of the players you want to see in preseason. Something, something that we heard from Bruno Wilson in an interview yesterday is that he said that the game model that Lucci has and the way he's trying to play felt familiar to him. Yeah. And you know, clearly they're bringing in players who are familiar with that and and fit you know that that style of play. Uh, you know, they talked. Bruno talked a little bit about the interview process that he had with the Quakes, talking with Lucci Gonzalez and some of the other people in the front office to make sure that this is tactically, tactically a good fit for them, uh, that, you know, they will be able to play this system. Uh, so it seems like there is some extent to which, you know, these first few games have been getting everybody on the same page. Uh, you'll be able to hopefully integrate the new players very soon. And then the next step is to maybe introduce a little bit more variety and a little bit more experimentation. I think, and by the way, they're still, they're still, I'm itching for that already. This feels like season two. This feels like I want to see that at the outset. Uh, but, but Lucci, one of the things that when, 
when we talked to him, he emphasized was uh, the continuity and the consistency and being able to return to Coachella with the routine that everyone's familiar with that can slowly ramp up year over year. So so maybe yeah. maybe there's a sense that that comes first, that you have to build those kind of foundational blocks first. Yeah, it's also important to keep in mind that these games are streamed. And I can't overemphasize that enough because, like I said, there's 30 minutes of play that we're not seeing right now, we're not invited to, that's closed door. And a lot of times that's where experimentation is really going to happen too. So we actually learned there's another game that they're expecting to play next week that is not publicly available. So and it's possible that there's going to be things that you're not going to see publicly that they want to introduce in the first game. I think that happened last year. There was new wrinkles that were introduced. We know Matias was famous for doing it. Matias would try something completely different and just, you know, and you're like, wait, he didn't show this in any of the preseason, you know, the things that we saw. Um, and he was trying to hide stuff in preseason too, so there's that. But um, I think there is a bit of gamesmanship here going on of like, let's show some public stuff and let's do some streaming and get the fan engagement. I think they really like that at Coachella. It's definitely grown this year, the experience. Uh, we should talk about that a little bit more uh, for the fans here. But um, the um, but the experience is growing and they want to make it a fan event. But at the same time, like they're still want to keep some cards close and, to the best. And we do know that Lucci is experimenting with things that we are not supposed to know about. Right. At training that we, we were at yesterday, yesterday. <laughs> Lucci came over and welcomed us and told us, we're happy to have you here and we're going to kick you out for our last training session because we're going to be experimenting, uh, which was not the case well, last year. We're working on tactical things and you're not, you can't be here for tactical That was sessions. when we were here last year, they were not working on, on any new experimental things that we weren't allowed no. to see. So, so there is new but potential that third, surprises. That was the third game. I'm not, I'm not so, sure. So there's, there's a, a TBD element of this. Yeah, I, I think I we think, have to wait and see. I think we have to wait and see. And even if it's not obvious to us, like, you know, Lucci prides himself in, in having different pressing schemes and things like that. So I think there's always going to be like, hey, we're going to set up our press this way and play this this particular style, and then we're going to change these things. And maybe that's less obvious, you know, to us at this at this point. Well, it definitely was different with, with but... Jack and Jabo each pressing the center backs. That was definitely new. Well, the other the other thing that's kind of interesting about that is because Jack plays uh, was playing on the right side. He was pressing on the right side, but and when you think about what spot is he taking in the in the uh, lineup right now, he's really taking the one that was occupied by Jamiro Montero, which is really more on the left half space. So, you know, it's, it, I'm trying to figure out like, you know, okay, if Jamiro's not there in that left half space, what does that mean in terms of Jackson's spot? What does that mean in terms of Jack's spot? Um, and then, you know, when Alfredo comes in, how does that change who's occupying the different spaces? So, you know, I do think these things will all, the central midfield is for sure, changing how much we will say game one it's obvious that it changed you know i think is a wait and see because a lot of it i think is determined on player skill and kind of their natural abilities so i want to return to the experience here at, at coachella yeah. and talk about that a little bit because i think that's important as jamin mentioned uh it feels like it's growing it feels like this is a, a bigger preseason event than it was last year there are more fans here than there were last year there are more clubs here than there were last year uh, i think teams are are uh you know kind of buying into the the concept of a, a large preseason camp they're more familiar with the routine uh and the structure of this event it feels like it's growing where else can you just walk right by by phil neville just like he's just standing there and you're just walking right by him possibly, so play, manchester. Players possibly are gathered. downtown manchester <laughs> players are gathered um you know 
sharing the bathroom with Ascendi Buddha right before the game. You know, these are experiences you can't get anywhere else, right? Um, no, it's it's really interesting. And and I we were talking to one of the organizers here that actually comes from Major League Baseball and has has helped organize their preseason, which is a huge event, right? And it's it brings fans from all over into Arizona and Florida as a huge fan events for you know preseason baseball. And uh, you know, she's she was kind of commenting to us a little bit on you know, how nice, first off, how nice the facility is, how it's, you know, really amazing uh, place to be able to do it, um, that they've added more, you know, more stands this year, more games I they think are, are available to the public. There's merchandise this year. There's better food options this year. So they really are investing in growing the event. And, and I just want to say we were treated so well by the people today, making sure we had this spot uh, set up for us. Um, it was organized in advance. Somebody removed it and they helped us get it put back um, because someone, I guess, didn't get the memo. <laughs> we were supposed to be able to have this area, but everyone has been amazing uh, to work with both here at the facility and within the earthquakes, the support that we've got. And we love, you know, the, the team that we worked with last year as well. But uh, now it's the two Ryans uh, that we've got uh, in PR. You know, they've been amazing. The front office, you know, uh, unfortunately, Chris Leach having to leave uh, uh, early, but um, you know, the time that we got to spend with people like Jared, uh, Brett Carlene today for a bit, um, uh, and uh, and then Lucci, you know, yesterday, and then the communication staff and everyone has been utmost professional. Well done to everyone. Thank you so much for making this an amazing event, not just for us, but allowing us to do what we do and supporting us every step uh, to make sure that we can deliver great content to all of you. And for fans, I think it's a fun experience as well, because as you can see, there's there's a game going on behind us oh, right yeah. now. You're getting, a free, the, you're getting a free stream right the now. The Portland Timbers in New York City. That's why we're blocking it with our bodies. <laughs> there might be some international players without their visas yeah, on no the idea. field right now. Um, I don't know. Glenn, Glenn Crooks is calling this game, so I'm pretty sure this one's but, streamed too. But, but it's, it's a, a unique experience to be able to watch games back-to-back -back each day, to be able to hang out with people from the front office in the stands and interact with all the you know, families that are here. I think uh, something that we heard is that more players are bringing their families to this tournament now. Uh, a lot more fans, Wicks fans all over the stands today. Some of those families, some of those are, are new fans that are experiencing it for the first time. Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely a, a, a bigger event this year. And uh, we, Tom Bogert just sitting in the stands, by the way. We look could forward have, to... You could have just, like, someone... Tom was sitting by himself. I'm like, why isn't anyone just going out and introducing himself and hanging out with Tom? Like, it looks like you could use someone to sit by him. But we got to well, compete our voices. So if you listen to the interviews that we're posting for the, for the patrons this week, by the way, everything will get into YouTube next week, but patrons get early access to all these videos. You'll hear maybe Tom Boger in the background. Our voices were competing in the same ballroom with Tom's and another crew who was talking with Asani Buddha and Carlos Acapo after that, right? I think so. And uh, so um, there was other interviews going on in the room. Last year, it was just us. And we were like hidden away in like the coach's video room and having these conversations. And this year, it's no, here's a ballroom and there's other conversations going on and there's more media presence. We walked to the media tent. There's a stack of credentials this year, like a lot more, a lot more people attending the event. So it's a great event. If you're looking for the opportunity, maybe to try out MLS preseason, we can't recommend it enough. And, um, and coming, I think this weekend is cheaper than the President's Day weekend. So maybe the earlier weekend, you know, if it's a little bit more affordable for some people. And, and we are very grateful to be here. Obviously, we are able to be here because of our 
Patreon supporters and and everyone who contributes to to Quake's Epicenter in this Aftershock show. Uh, So if you would like to be able to to help get us out here next year as well for more Earthquakes coverage, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could join the Patreon. The link is in the description. Uh, We are so grateful for the wonderful community of patrons that we have. We're going to be able to connect with a few of them who are here after this episode. Uh, And uh, it's always a, a great event as well to be able yep. to connect with uh, with some uh, fans and, we'll be and back. other people in the we'll community. Be, we'll both be there. So Alex, by the way, uh, is back in college uh, at, uh, in, uh, in Southern California. You know, I for those of you who don't know, I am actually located these days up here in Tacoma. But we will both be there for game one of the season. So, you know, certainly look for us. Um, I think last year I got to, to stop by a couple of the, of the supporters, uh, you know, pre, pre-game festivities. And uh, get to meet some people out there. Would love to, to meet you, whether you're you know in a supporters group or not. Um, I think there's a lot of you know people are welcomed in to come in. So definitely like let us know. And John Jay, wow, the first, look at this, the first John uh, Jay beat us contribution. It. Yes, you can now donate if you like. You know over the stream through the YouTube. Uh, thank you, John Jay. And of course we've got our Patreon. Uh, you subscribe to that, you get early access interviews that we did yesterday three players uh two front office but we're very so excited so uh, kindly here was, was saying uh that we we passed 1k subscribers yeah, well, well there was also a, a question about that. kate all these, these there's a reason three, for that these three comments in a row are actually all interconnected, interconnected. first kate all got signed by shivas scored his first two goals in the uh the uh, international match that they had against a I think somewhat suspect. Uh, you defense. know, it's uh, you know, Forge FC, Canadian Premier League. You make your own judgment. But he was able to to get two goals in the back of the net in one and, game. And so and that's a, that's a confidence boost you for Cade. Uh, I know everyone around the Earthquakes Club was excited to see him yeah. score those Congrats goals. Congrats to Cade. Um, you know, when we were talking to Lucci. Uh, we, we asked Lucci about. Oh, we don't uh, want to be a political show, so I'm not sure we want to talk about right wing here. <laughs> wanna, uh, we, uh, we we asked Lucci about um, what it was like to see Cade you know, go to Shivas uh, and, you know, immediately be bombarded with all the press following his limousine to the club uh, and to the medical, uh, you know, people uh, camping outside the hotel to meet him. Uh, and the interesting thing that Lucci said was that it felt natural. It felt natural that Cade was ready for that spotlight. He was ready for that limelight and for that moment. Uh, and so to see him get two goals uh, is, is a, a good sign that that's, that's uh, it's the right step in his career and it's a, a good moment for him. But Cade moving allowed us was what we needed to get over to that 1k subscriber mark so we're very grateful for all of our new thousand two hundred or so views on the last video for some reason you were living under a rock and missed that episode help push us to six thousand three hundred or whatever the next milestone actually could be there but um well i mean i think we have to also give some thanks to shiva supporters who definitely were looking for information scouring YouTube and the internet for anything they could find on Cape Cowell that week. He was the most popular man in Mexico for about a week there. The good news is that we are still relevant for Shivas fans because of the League's Cup draw. That's true. And because Shivas fans That's true. will be tuning in to watch Shivas play the Earthquakes, potentially at Levi Stadium, as it seems like, well, where they're going to yeah. host their home game. And we could not get that confirmed. That's a rumor, by the way. Uh, but what's, what is going? what is true and what has announced is that uh, the top four Liga uh, MX teams from last year in League's Cup, and that includes Chivas, 
they get to pick a base this year. So it's one of the changes to League's Cup. Shiva's being one of those teams. There's a rumor, at least, that that base will be NorCal instead of SoCal. And, uh, you know, we will see. Uh, what, you know, not sure when that's going to get announced or, you know, if the rumors are true. But um, but it's exciting to think that uh, there might be a, a, a game, you know, between the Earthquakes and Shiva's in the Bay Area where everyone can just heading over to a different place, not PayPal Park, but be able to see Cade and Shiva's take on the San Jose Earthquakes in a meaningful game. It'll be a big one. There'll be lots of Cade Kawashiva's jerseys there, I anticipate. Um, yeah, not quite a draw for League's Cup this year. <laughs> kind of a meticulously planned allocation. Against the Galaxy as well. Of attempted fairness in the league. By the way, the Earthquakes, by finishing ahead of the Galaxy, actually get the home game versus the Galaxy, and that is the good news. It is a tough group, though. It is, it is a tough, tough I think it's comparatively, it's a tougher group. I think the Galaxy will be better this year, too. Yeah. So that, that will be a tough game. Anyways, the other thing that the 1K subscribers means is that you get a bunch of fancy new tools. Richie just found the fancy new tools oh, as well. As soon as we get these new tools, we definitely want to say thank you, uh, uh, Richie, for the uh, for the additional money. I don't know how long people will just put additional <laughs> money on here for. Probably won't be a big revenue stream for us. If there is something... Uh, certainly make sure that you subscribe to the Patreon first and foremost because additional benefits come your way from doing that. But yes, if you want to, to donate to the stream, we also appreciate that as well. And if there's something on the, the, the live stream that you want to bring us, that you, you want to bring up, that you want to get in front of us on screen, uh, if you hit us with one of those green super chats, That's we right. will make sure to, to talk about it and to answer your questions uh, and to, to get you up on to, to those who uh, donate to the super chats, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a benefit for all of you. Obviously, you get some cool new gizmos. I don't know that we share them. I think there's other like, some of them work as some well. Of them, there's yeah, some of them work. Some of them don't in our tooling, and we are looking at new tools. It might be, might be the tool, but I don't think so. I think like the tools seem kind of similar in this regard. But at least everybody else gets to see uh, what Andy you're found doing the sticker. in the live chat. So I can't see what Andy's sticker important. is. We can't see the sticker. That's one of the things. But everyone else can see your sticker, Andy. So you know, <laughs> thank you for the ninety-nine cents. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, we've got about 50 minutes here. I've, I want to see some uh, some of the fans who are still around. We've got to get me to the airport. Alex is driving me back uh, on his way back to, uh, to his college campus. And, uh, you know, it's been great to hang out with you for a couple of days. And sad it's actually come to an end. Like, I look forward to this for such a long time. And um, this year, you know, last year, we had so many people step up and just donate extra money to send us. My recollection is that with something like seven or eight hundred dollars, the airfare was exorbitant last year because it was um, because it was uh, due. Uh, yeah, pass the hat to improve the audio in the wind. That's a whole nother story as to why we don't have a microphone here in, in front right now. Um, Let's just say Alex we, and we, I we drove all hour, around Coachella Valley this all morning. around Coachella Valley this morning trying to solve the microphone problems. So we're using Alex's microphone for sure. But, um, you know, that, that'll be uh, one of the things. We just need a, a USB dongle. It's actually not that shouldn't be that hard. Somehow hard to find around here. Um, but uh, but, you know, last year, so many people stepped up to send us to this event and we got to experience how amazing it was. We saved the money up from, you know, your your patronage over the year uh, to be able to come here and not have to pass the collection hat again. So thank you, all of you, for being patrons. Uh, if you're not, $2 gets you in. Some new articles are going to be coming as yeah. well. We're trying to get some couple new writers to join the team to, to do more articles this season. My first preseason article I'm expecting in the next week. 
Uh, I might have two out uh, this preseason. So uh, looking forward to kind of getting into the swing of things. And this is preseason for us, too. So if we said anything stupid on the show, you got to <laughs> give us did. a break. It's the same thing as Danielle accidentally gifting the the ball in front of goal to the, the Charlotte FC striker. Even Danielle, who we, we know is is safe and sound back there. I'm, yeah, I make a, a mistake or two. So we're just going to imagine red finger red number one and what that looks like. Right? So, uh, <laughs> um, because that's that's what we're getting through here on our but, particular part of the But chat. it's a pleasure to be here as always. It was also good this year because the Quakes announced a lot of new signings right before this oh, tournament, in yeah. the week before the tournament. There is back to back to back. You get here and you get to see them. Vitor Pellegrino and Mikolai. To be able to see them, uh, you know, to and, 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 uh, talk to and, them. And Bruno Wilson. Uh, and to. Uh, uh, to, to understand how this this roster is, is coming together, I think is, is really important for us as well. And, you know, watching that game emphasized to me just how important those new pieces are going to be to take the team to the next level. I think today we only saw the base 2023 San Jose Earthquakes and still have a, a lot to look forward to. Don't worry, there'll be more worldies coming uh, uh, for the rest of this season. Right. Let's hope Paul Marie didn't use one up in that last game because that was quite a banger there. Now, Paul Marie's yeah. got, got more worldies up his sleeve. We, we know that for sure. But with that said, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. I look forward to seeing all of you back in San Jose uh, for our next Aftershock postgame show uh, after uh, San Jose's uh, opener. Well, so, well, first there's a road opener, so we will have a show following the first game of the season, but yes, we will be in San Jose, obviously, for that home opener against the Galaxy at PayPal Park, and I, I you know, you know, there's something always special in the Cali Classico, but I'm really looking forward to that. Maybe we will get an opportunity to be uh, on the field again. Uh, I think there's conversations. The field, the bar, we're going to try to do something special. So also look for us after the game, the Aftershock, live around the stadium somewhere. Uh, we'll, but once we know, we will announce where we're going to be. Definitely stop by and cheer us on. Say hi, anything you want to do. Yeah. Well, we appreciate everyone for joining, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.